Hey everyone, welcome to Founders 365 with me, Stephen Haggerty. Today I am joined by PR guru, wizard, however you want to call you, Miss L- Mrs. Laura Perks. How are you today, Laura? I'm really well, thank you, Stephen. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this one because PR is one of the, I think it's the two-letter word that probably confuses most business owners the most. I would wholeheartedly agree with that statement. <laughs> well, and I'm hopingly, I'm hoping that you can unpack this so that perhaps after this call, uh, people aren't as confused about PR because I don't think there is anything to be confused about if you understand it right. No, totally. It's I think it's one of these things that pre-social media, PR mm-hmm. was kind of like the go-to way yeah. to share your message, increase your exposure you know, draw people into your website and like your sales funnel. Mm -hmm. And now it's kind of almost like um, social media's ugly sister. (laughs) I don't know if I would look at it like that, but hey, you're in the game. So before (laughs) we jump into the the ins and outs of PR, I'm really intrigued just to figure out how you got to where you are today, how you got to running your own PR business and a little bit about your background. Sure. Well, I have always loved communication. For me, communication and connection is at the heart of everything that we do as human beings, as business owners. And I think as well as humans, we just love feeling like we're part of something. Mm -hmm. And for me, working with business owners to help to get them in the media is all about building relationships. And you know, before the advent of social media, businesses were very much built on relationships. And, you know, a lot was done on a handshake. And, you know, I still speak to business owners now who haven't really embraced digital marketing because they've just always built their business on relationships. Um, So, you know, I was very chatty at school. I'm very curious. I like to ask questions. And I loved the idea of being a journalist like that really excited me being part of a busy newsroom Mm -hmm. just speaking to different people learning like I'm I'm a sponge like I love hearing stories I love learning from people and it only got to I was probably about 16 17 whatever age you are when you kind of decide yes I'm going to go to university and Mm -hmm. this is what I'm going to study and at the time I was going to go into like media studies But I found that a lot of degrees were very technical. It was more kind of TV or radio production. And I remember I went up to Manchester University on a visit and they kind of put us in this radio recording room and I saw like all the kit and I freaked out and I was like, oh my God, this is not me. Like for me, radio is the talking, it's the interacting, it's the fun part. It is not all these buttons and knobs and no thank you. So that kind of put me into a bit of a bit of a head spin. And I remember having a conversation with my mum. And I hate the fact that mums are always right. Always. I know, like, why is that? Um, and she just said to me, Look, you love communicating, so why don't you look at something from more of a, a communications perspective? And I thought, oh, yeah, do you know what? She's got a point. And I just kind of stumbled across public relations. And public relations and journalism especially 
there's kind of like this blurred line now between the two. Mm-hmm. And there is a little bit of a love-hate relationship between journalists and PR professionals. But, you know, a lot of what we're trying to achieve is the same. We're conveying news. We want to get stories across. We want to make an impact on more lives. And I thought, yeah, do you know what? Like PR is is the route for me. So I did a three-year degree at university. As part of my final year, I did a four-week work placement at Sainsbury's head office in their um, media relations department. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, like, I love this. Um, just being part of a team and yeah. representing a brand and just conveying messages you know, and it wasn't just in the media, it was with like, like their stakeholders, it's internal communications. And I just thought, yes, like this is exactly what I love. This to is do. your thing. This is my thing. And when it came to like finishing my degree, randomly, my best friend at university had met the receptionist of a PR agency on a plane when she was going on holiday. As you do. As you do. Yeah. So um, she did her work placement at this PR agency in Reading. When we both graduated, she had a job to go to. And it just so happened that they were looking for um, junior members of staff in their like consumer division. So, you know, I went along for the interview and I didn't know at the time, but I was actually being interviewed. The, like The second candidate to me was the boss's son. So it's like, okay, no pressure. Yeah. Looking back, even like 16 years ago, when I graduated from university, everyone had a degree. Mm-hmm. And we both had a degree. His degree was actually higher than mine. But because I'd worked for the university PR magazine, because I'd done this work placement at Sainsbury's, because I'd gone that extra mile, I then stood out. So although his degree was like better than mine, I had this kind of extra yeah. work that I'd done to prove, you know, this is what I love to do. This is what I'm really interested in. Here's some examples of articles I've had published. And I actually loved agency life because you're working on several different clients in mm-hmm. several different sectors. And that's what really gets me fired up is just the eclectic mix of everything and always having something different to do. Yeah. And that pretty much started my career. I was working um, on B2B clients, B2C clients, and I just loved the variety. No two days were ever the same. And it was after about two and a half years I started getting itchy feet. Um, So I decided to be a holiday rep. (laughs) <laughs> so what and now, yeah so now we've gone from university nice job everyone yeah. around you is probably like oh you've done really well and you're yeah. just gonna go I'm just gonna go to Magaluf yeah I mean pretty much, I mean I was in Zante so nice yeah. you know I've never really wanted to travel uh, backpacking isn't the lifestyle for me so I was like I'm going you know go and be a holiday rep yeah but actually I was really bored <laughs> <laughs> Because it was just, I mean, I was in a I was in a resort where a lot of the holiday makers were repeat customers. They sure. didn't really need my support. They didn't need to come and talk to me every day. They knew the drill. They knew the drill. So I was like, wow, okay. So I'm living this lifestyle, which was pretty hectic, I'm not gonna lie. 
um I was like I'm just I'm just bored like I, I need to go back home and I need yeah. to get back into PR which is what I did and I got an, a, a job for a, a very specialist agency based in northwest London they were a health and fitness agency and trust me at the time I was like so far removed from health and fitness <laughs> it was unbelievable you were still hung over from Santa. <laughs> yeah uh, I had a really nice tan, but yeah, still hung over. Yeah. Um, so I kind of had to prove myself and that's something else that I enjoy. And I think I've had it for most of my life. I've always had to prove myself because I come across very laid back and very confident. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people can confuse that to me being a little bit blase. So I kind of had this challenge of proving myself. And then actually through working with health and fitness clients, completely changed my lifestyle around so if I took anything away from the seven years I worked at that agency it was the fact that I got my life back on track that's a pretty good thing to take away let's face it yeah exactly you know worse things could happen exactly and so um, when did you start going from agency side of things and you and then that's that thought of you know I could do, I could do this myself I could I could go on this road alone and I could build this business and work with the clients I want to work with and give them the results that I know I can give them. It was, I mean, it was, it's a slow process. I don't think it ever fully kind of slaps you in the face like, oh my God, wake up call, I need to, to leave. Yeah. Things were happening over, happening over time. The agency was going in a different direction. I didn't feel fulfilled, but I'm very, I'm very loyal. Mm-hmm. And once I'm in a position and I'm comfortable, I don't always want to then put myself out of my comfort zone okay. to try something else. And I think this is a lot of the reasons why many people don't take that leap from, oh, for sure. from for corporate sure. yeah. into being an entrepreneur. Um, but things kept happening and I'm very much an opportunist. So things kept happening and I was like, these are signs. And if I ignore these signs, I'm literally going to be here for the rest of my career, but I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. And you know, because you know, I've worked my way, you know, quite high up up the ladder in 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 that particular agency, and I was doing a lot of new business outreach alongside my boss. So you know, cold calling, emailing prospects for me was actually fun because it was. It was like, almost like you were testing a business before you ha had the responsibility of one. Yeah without really kind of knowing that's what I was yeah. doing. And like I said, these opportunities kept presenting themselves and I'm very much a now or never kind of person. And I was like, no, this is it. This is it. This is it. And it kind of coincided with like my 30th birthday. And I was like, I really can't keep doing this forever. I'm How not poetic. Why <laughs> oh, <I> no? <laughs> so I'm turning 30. Yeah, not, so I can't I, go back to Zanti. I'd look it would be a bit <laughs> odd if I went back and be a holiday rep. So I'm going to set my own business up. Yeah, pretty much. And no. I think back then, I don't know. Sometimes I look at it and I think I was really naive. But then part of me thinks no, because you back yourself so much, you knew you wouldn't fail. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is such a is, is one of those traits with so many entrepreneurs that. Out from the outside in, if you're not in the entrepreneurial world or your business owner world, that trait is really hard to see because people, that's when you get those people around you going, oh, are you sure this is the right move? Are you sure you sh shouldn't wait another six months? All these kind of things. But mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur, as soon as that, 
that switch is flipped in our head. It's like, no, we're doing it. It's, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah, and you don't actually think of what could go wrong. No. <laughs> because... It's just, yeah, it's just all good things. <laughs> yeah, and when you start out, you don't know that anything can go wrong because it's all new and it's exciting mm. and it's exploratory and it's all the things that I love, being curious, learning. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so I've been in business now. It'll be seven years, I think, in July, so in a couple Amazing. of weeks. And it's like, whoa, where did those seven years yeah. go? <laughs> That, that's that's incredible and for you you know PR PR as a whole like you mentioned at the beginning it's changed a lot because of social media but if we take PR as it is today mm-hmm. when you're dealing with clients what is what are the typical things that they're coming to you and you're going yeah this is how we can solve this with a really good PR strategy rather than just like hey just post on Facebook oh yeah of course I mean quite a lot of people who I speak to now already know that they need PR mm-hmm or they think that they know PR, but they don't really know what that looks like. They don't know yeah. what it entails. They have no idea how much it costs, which, you know, is fine because when I got married in 2018, I didn't know how much things cost. So, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, so it's very much a lot of the people I speak to have been on social media. They've already got an established business in the sense that they've been doing it for a couple of years now so they've got their message they know who their ideal client is but they want credibility Mm. they now want recognition for the work that they're doing and as we know to get that credibility and that bigger recognition you have to be seen by more people yeah and like I love social media, I don't ever bash social media, but there comes a point where you have to go beyond social media mm-hmm. to grow oh, your sure. And, you know, we see so many brands, like big brands advertising on, on TV and they're on the radio. And I think with public relations, it's almost that middle ground that people don't see. Mm-hmm. So social media is super accessible. You know, it's a free tool to yeah. grow business to build relationships all everything yeah so you've got social media at, at one level and then you've got like tv and radio advertising at the other level and no one kind of knows what's in between yeah or not as many people as know it's, it. i think it's the access though isn't it it's they, they don't know how to get themselves in those publications uh and if they do that maybe they go to you know, if you Google PR, you probably get inundated with those really high-end PR companies that are going to charge, you know, £10,000 to be on in Business Insider, for example, right? Yeah. Um, but when you're working with clients, when you, when you, like, tell them this secret that you can be like, actually, no, you can get really good PR in a really nicely done format, how does that change their business? How does them getting in front of that credit? The word you said is perfect, like the credibility side of things. Because Facebook's great, but Facebook or, so, or social media in general almost mm. creates these little bubbles around people, don't they? Because they fill in with people that they like and they fill in with people that have engaged with their content. But actually, when you start getting seen from, I don't know, an article in the in the newspaper and your grand sees it, it's a different form of credibility because you've immediately allowed people outside your circle to see what you do. Uh, how's, the, how's the benefit of a business owner to have that outside credibility? The outside credibility 
it and I guess in a way it's kind of similar to like what social climbing was like years ago is people I'll say they're not it's not that they're materialistic I think if you're seen in a magazine it's almost like wow you must be somebody yeah it it's it's really bizarre the like the human behavior behind that though isn't it because if if I just laid up a magazine right now like I've got a speaker award somewhere around in my office and I didn't do anything for that award literally nothing but I got the award and the moment I got that award it was like oh your award-winning speaker it's like not really (laughs) but that's their story that they make up in their head um just like if I had a magazine next to me with my face on it's suddenly this instant instant gratitude not gratitude credibility Mm. um is there ever going to be that point though when like I, I I do really think it's almost like this secret because is there ever going to be a point where everyone kind of knows the truth of PR and that kind of stuff and it will lose that credibility side? No. No, I don't <laughs> I don't no, think that's a stupid question. <laughs> but it's like it's like me having this conversation with you today. This is me elevating my expertise to yeah. a whole new audience I can't tap into on my own, or if I can, it's going to take me a very long time. Yeah. Um, it's the same with getting in the media, and the media now is is very is very broad. So, mm. oh, you know, sixteen years ago when I when I went to university, it was pretty much print and broadcast, whether that was yeah. TV or radio. And I I remember even in my last agency, one of our biggest clients hated online coverage because they saw online coverage as the poor relation to being seen in print. Are they still going? Um, I believe so, but there were some um, some difficulties at one point, which is kind of what escalated into the agency I was working with going in a different direction and everything else. So, you know... um, Whereas now, actually, online is king because people know that once you're online, you stay there forever. The link you can share on social media, in your blog, on your website. So an an online is is instant. You don't have – I mean, yes, of course, online websites do have lead times, but Mm -hmm. you can have a journalist – try your product or your fitness class or experience your service and within three days the coverage is is live yeah yeah Whereas in print you know if you look at like a lot of the monthly glossy magazines next month they're going to be working on their december issue mm. so all of a sudden you're having to forward plan and you're having to really get your ducks in a row and then you're having to wait for the coverage to come out yeah so you know, I could secure a piece of coverage for you tomorrow in GQ magazine. We're probably not going to see it until October at the earliest. Yeah, yeah. Um, With that side of things then, when you start speaking to business owners, do they come to, at what point do they come to? Do they come to you thinking, oh, I need to be in GQ tomorrow? And then you almost have to go down that education route to be like, no, that's kind of not how it works. Because I guess, like you said, so many people, no matter what level they are, are used to that instant feedback in terms of when they put something out so then you come along and go look we can create a really good strategy but it's not going to be tomorrow this is like a a six 12 month sort of playtime we're working towards yeah and i have to have this conversation with people a lot because 
the the basic principles of PR have never changed. The vehicle that we use to get you noticed by other people has changed because there's now online, there's social yeah. media. Um, so a PR campaign, whoever you work with, should be telling you it can take three months just to get that foundation laid. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you may have secured some pieces, but they may not come out for three to four months. And that's that's one of the challenges I come up against an awful lot at the moment is because we're so used to having everything now. Yeah. Everything is instant that at the moment, a lot of people who are coming to me, and especially at the start of COVID, it was almost this panic of, oh my God, I haven't, I haven't like been out there enough and I need it now. And it's yeah, like, I, I, I understand, but it's, <laughs> it's going to take a couple of months to build up because how I work with clients is different from an agency because, and this may have changed, you know, I haven't been in an agency for seven years, but when you're in an agency, it's kind of about quantity over quality sometimes. Absolutely. And it's about, oh, we've told the client we need to get them six pieces of coverage a month, so we just need to get six pieces of coverage a month. Yeah. Whereas for me, I'm a lot more, well, no, we need to be more strategic and we need to be seen where your ideal client and customer yeah, like are. What is that coverage you're getting? Absolutely, because I say to people all the time, there's no point being in Vogue or GQ yeah. if your readers are, or oh, sorry, your clients are listening to podcasts or your yeah. clients are reading the Daily Mail, for example. So it's it's. It, I mean, it's never about you, is it? It's always about your exactly. client. I mean, if I went, if you got me a piece in Gardening's World, I don't think it would help me much. I'd no, no. It it wouldn't. Honest, if you saw my garden, I definitely wouldn't get a piece. In <laughs> Let's face it. Um, but that, that's really interesting, then, because that's what I was kind of thinking is when you said about that time sign, people must get into that desperation mode and think, "Oh, I need to be seen." And then they probably see other people with the magazines, with the articles online. And for them, it obviously, once once you put it out there, it's probably seen as something really quick. Mm. But like you just said, this is a three-month-plus three timeline. Um, mm. What are some of the other common myths that you get when clients come to you about PR? Because I think this is the key when we're trying to unfold the PR world. It's like if we get rid of these common myths, then people are going to come to you and say, look, I completely understand what I now need to do. Another common myth, and again, mainly because this is from my experience recently, is people tend to come to PR consultants as a last resort. Got you. So it's almost they feel exhausted because they've tried to do everything themselves, mm-hmm. been all over social media, they've tried Facebook adverts, they've tried, 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 and now it's almost... like it's now it's now your responsibility yeah they're offloading almost yeah absolutely and it's almost wave a magic wand and 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 turn my business around and public relations has always been about increasing exposure Mm -hmm. it's a brand awareness exercise it's not a sales tool yeah and don't get me wrong you can get sales off the back of being seen in a publication but as we know now, to turn potential customers into buying customers, you're taking a lot more kind of touch points, as sure. they're referred to, 
for somebody to make that decision. And again, when I graduated from university, somebody only needed to see your uh, your brand three times before they then made the decision to buy. Mm-hmm. It's now something ridiculous, like 14. Wow. How do, how do people track that then? Not, I'm not actually entirely sure. <laughs> <laughs> it, goes, it goes back to, to human behavior because yeah. I'm very impulsive. If I see something and I know I want it or I need it, especially in terms of business, I will invest. Yeah, you, you, may, you may not be like that. You may think, oh, okay, so Laura Perks has popped up and she's told me that she can increase my exposure and drive more people onto my website. But who who is she to say that? Yeah. Like, I've never met this person. Why am I going to spend money with her? So then you might download my lead magnet. You might then start following me on Facebook. You might join my Facebook group. You might buy my ebook. You might yeah. buy a, a workshop. And then you might think, okay, yeah, she's proven herself now. Now's the time to have that conversation about doing the deeper, more strategic work, mm-hmm. then going to deliver what she's saying she can do. Yeah. It's it's one of those what in terms of the the way people see you as a PR person, why do you think that people see PR in that way? Why do you think people do come to you in that? desperation phase the last resort phase like you mentioned and flip side to that question is how do you think as a business you got or as an industry PR should be changing to get a different outlook on that so I actually said this a few months ago on another podcast I feel like public relations should be rebranded into relationship marketing Mm -hmm because PR needs to hire a really good PR person basically yeah, absolutely yeah yeah I'll, I'll, I'll do that yeah there we go everyone listening Laura's raised her hand to solve the industry of PR <laughs> yeah the problem with PR is PR always yeah. um, <laughs> is it's so ironic yeah of course and I and again this is just from from personal experience I feel like people don't really understand PR mm. Because, I mean, I know I said at the beginning, it's it's kind of like social media's ugly sister. I don't think it's the ugly sister. I think it's the more aloof, slightly unobtainable sister. Yeah. So it's almost this kind of magical creature that you may be aware of, but you've never been invited to hang around in that circle. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest misconceptions around PR is that people don't feel that they not that they're worthy of it, but they don't feel like their business is at the right stage yet to mm. invest in PR. So that's one of the misconceptions that I yeah. try and bust because actually we all have a story. We all have a product or a service that helps somebody change or transform or experience something that enhances their life. For sure, definitely. And there's going to be more than one person who's been through or is going through what you experienced and would benefit from your expertise in knowing how to break through that. Yeah, that, that's the thing, isn't it? And I think, as with most things, it's about educating people on the benefits and how powerful it can be. So I have no doubt that if someone started working with you and you've formulated this really strong PR strategy, it's going to just transform things in their business that they didn't even consider 
could be transformed before because I think so people so many people now get real tunnel visioned on like the social media marketing campaign. Like I've got to post this, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. When actually when you're bringing in all these other factors that can be doing it from getting on podcasts, like you said, or, you know, even getting on YouTube channels, whatever that is, because again, PR media as a whole has just completely expanded width ways in terms of the difference in what, how people are uh, listening to it and consuming media Ooh. that, that's kind of the the hot point isn't it people need to understand the benefits of pr to them and not fear it i think a lot of people fear working with a pr agency or a pr individual no matter what they are that like you said they're not quite ready or or they don't uh, and again i bet imposter syndrome probably crops up for so many of your clients because the moment their face is in an article it's like oh no they're doing this whereas online they can stay in that little bubble and uh sort of hit the spot but when your face is out there without maybe it's a control aspect i don't know when you can't control who sees it uh, Mm. that could be an an interesting one yeah it's interesting and and i i hear lots of different stories like i i I met a lawyer a few years ago who feared getting in the media because she's seen what the media can do for her clients when they tear you apart now this is where the lines can get blurred slightly, but yeah. that's very much kind of the newspapers. So, so you know, the ones that are searching for a story rather than telling the story. Absolutely. So I can understand from that perspective. And she was like, "Oh, you know, I've got all these skeletons in the closet that I don't want coming out." From my perspective, it's almost like they don't care about the skeletons. Yeah. They actually, it's it's you and your expertise that. I very much focus on and it's about positioning you as the expert mm-hmm. but because we're so used to this celebrity culture and these reality stars who are catapulted to fame and yeah. then the media seem to want to tear them down so like the big brother effect absolutely yeah big brother I mean love island love island yeah so it's almost and again, this tends to only be a handful of the red top newspapers yeah. and the what I'd class as the kind of celebrity trashy weeklies. Of course. Um, and also, even on those, they still seem to target the same sort of people uh, for, for whatever it is and the same story just being regurgitated in different formats. Um, yeah. how, do, how do you remove that fear then? How do you remove the fear of getting yourself in media outlets? It's it's something I take quite seriously. I've done like a lot of kind of self-development work. I've done a lot of inner work. So while I can hold the space for people who are feeling this, I don't feel like I'm the best equipped or qualified to be working with them on that level. However, I have quite a big network of like psychotherapists, of coaches who do work with clients on that level because it tends to be linked to a belief that was taught at a young age that they've then carried through to adulthood that has potentially no bearing on their life now yeah it's something that they've believed for so long it's difficult and you know I've had it I I've kind of always not always but when you run your own business you are opening yourself up to more criticism to more 
And like I always have huge expectations. And I had this conversation with my mum and my husband the other day, and they laughed at me and they said, Your biggest critic is you. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's the case with not just business owners, but people in general, you know, the world that we live in today. Um, yeah. I always say that your limited beliefs are actually your adopted beliefs because normally they're, you know, that one conversation or that one sentence that was said to you at a certain part of your life and you've just brought that with you and now that's become your belief. Um, very few of, I always say to my clients, if you write out 10 limited beliefs, maybe eight of them are, are adopted beliefs, mm. um, which which is really interesting. But coming back to PR then, if 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 I could finish this conversation by asking you one question, mm-hmm. uh, putting you on the spot here a bit, Laura, but I know you're going to handle it. <laughs> your PR but um, if you had someone in front of you, you know, they, they're a startup business, they've been going a couple of years, maybe they've got a bit of funding, they're making money. What would be the sort of top three PR things that they should be doing before working with you? So how can they be setting themselves up in the best format possible so they can start working with you and it's just such a breeze for you both? Of course. So I think firstly, it's really understanding your customers, your clients, the the people, the communities who you're serving and knowing them on a level that makes the, I guess, marketing process easier because they then know every time they see you in the media, every time they hear you on a podcast, every time, you know, someone mentions you, they already know I can go there for my solution or my problem to be solved. So it's very much really understand your ideal client. And I know a lot of coaches will say, oh, you know, give your ideal client a name. What does he or she look like? No, I mean, delve deeper. Like what's keeping them up at night? What do they love to do? Um, Where do they spend their money? All this stuff that paints a picture then of, okay, so this is what they love to do. This is where they hang out. And then that's where my clients or brands need to be seen. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, number one would be kind of what I class as ideal client inner work. Yeah. Number two, which is super important, and most businesses um, who have been around for a few years will know how important it is to have a crystal clear message. So again, in everything that you communicate, your ideal customers and clients know exactly what it is that they're going to get from buying into you. So. Firstly, ideal client inner work. Secondly, have a crystal clear message. And number three is, it's probably not so much PR related, but business related, but trust the process. Yeah, that's it. Trust in the process, I think, is such a key in so many levels of business. Um, and I guess with PR, it must be a huge trust aspect because you've got that time frame of, like you said, a couple of months sometimes. Off, like you also said, you know, you can get the quick win sooner. But if I started work with you, I'm going to have to, I, of course, I would trust that actually in three, four, five months time, we're going to be doing some really cool things together. Absolutely. That's going to be the exciting part. Totally. And what I do as well with my clients is, is PR isn't the end. Actually, I say to a lot of people, PR is the cherry on top, but actually there's room for sprinkles. There's room for sore. There's always room for sprinkles. <laughs> so it's almost, Public relations is like opening that door to a whole new world. Then what we need to do is then rev up the marketing machine to make sure we're then making the PR coverage 
do more work for you. Yeah. And then, do you get, do you then come into that space of almost managing it as well? So managing how the PR moves forward because I guess other you know you can put things out there, but then other people get hold of that and make it their own or put put it on their sites. Do you then have to manage that media relationship with the clients? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And and you know I work I work in different ways. So if you are like a complete startup, you know you've maybe been around like one or two years there's an online course where you can absorb all my knowledge um and it's like cost effective so you're gonna be able to do everything yourself yeah and then have a mentoring program for the people who are like i want to do it myself but i still need that accountability and that support or i then offer a bespoke service to the people who are time poor but are at a stage where they can invest money in paying you just this is your zone of genius this is your area of expertise we trust that you can deliver what we've discussed and go off and do it for me so yeah a lot of the time when I'm doing the bespoke work I'm very much managing the relationship creating the relationships making sure that my client's brand is always represented in the best light And that can filter into what they're posting on social media, how they're communicating to um, customers and clients on email and stuff. If they see your name calling their phone, they know they're in trouble. (laughs) Damn, I know I shouldn't have posted that thing. Laura's calling me. Well, this is the thing. This is, you know, a lot of these big brands who you see advertising on TV, they're paying their PR to keep them out of the media. Yeah, yeah. Because that means they've done something naughty and they can't have their reputation exposed and damaged and that went like if you actually that's sort of how you see pr in the films though isn't it and in the in the tv shows it's something's gone horribly wrong we need to call our pr company yeah absolutely and i think that as well is where the myths around pr happen yeah because you're not so much seeing big names in the media i mean over the years it's happened so when Dove used real models in their advertising campaigns, that was a PR story. When Nike started making plus size plus size clothing, that was a PR story. But generally, you don't see these big brands in the press because they don't want to be in the press. Yeah. They don't <laughs> um, want people poking around in their stories. No, exactly. And actually, if you Google the definition of public relations, it will tell you that PR is um managing your brand's reputation yeah fantastic laura i've thoroughly enjoyed this you've opened my eyes to pr and uh what it can be doing for me so i'm sure we will have a further conversation about this but my final 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 question is how do people get in touch with you how do people find out more about you how they how you can help them and uh, get into contact well as you can imagine i am on most social media platforms. I haven't gone anywhere near TikTok. So on LinkedIn, you can find me as Laura Perks. On Facebook, I have a business page, again, PR with Perks. I also have a Facebook group called the PR Accelerator. On Instagram, I'm PR with Perks. Pinterest, I'm PR with Perks. Everywhere. I know. And then I also have a website, which is www.prwithperks.com. Fantastic. Laura, thank you so much for coming on. Like I said, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. And I, I'm lo- really looking forward to just 
understanding more about PR moving forward. Thank you for your wise words and encouragement and inspiration <laughs> and obviously the opportunity to share my expertise. No, you've been a star. Thank you so much for coming on Founders 365 and thanks everyone for watching and listening.